0: The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct.
1: what's up everyone welcome into episode 44 of the drum candy podcast this is your host Mike Dawson coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania this week I'm sitting down with Mitch Zlotnick of Audimute Mitch and I worked together to redo this room if you're watching the video version you're seeing a new finally cohesive background to my video so I had Mitch uh, and his team design redesign this space to make it uh, tighter sounding, more balanced, more controlled, so I can teach and practice and do a little bit of recording and make the podcast in here. So this episode, I'm just asking Mitch all the questions about soundproofing and and sound treatment and diffusion. And we go into some some physics. I'm way out of my league. Uh, It's a real fun hang. So if you have any questions about how to treat a room, hopefully this episode will get you there. And then if you want to follow up, definitely reach out to Mitch at AudioMute on Instagram. He'll get back to you. All right, let's get to it with Mitch from AudioMute take us there. All right, man. How's the, how's the room look on camera to you? Um, it's, it's a little washed, but it looks fantastic. Yeah. That's just the, uh, the Logitech, the light, yeah, the
2: lighting and such, but the, um, uh, but that vibe you were able to pull last night was incredible. So and it, it's neat. And as you change the light, you're going to get different things. Like if you go to a 2700 versus a 3000 versus like a 3500, you're going to get different qualities come out. Um, you know, the brighter whites, this kind of thing and the hotter whites, if you will, are going to bring out like more of your hardware. And then you're going to, mm. as you go that dark stuff, like you did, it, it, it almost gave like a vignette kind of effect. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. it's, it's,
1: I mean, my favorite <laughs> artist is Van Gogh and I feel like I'm living in a Van Gogh,
2: <laughs> dude. but it's cool. It's interesting, but not, it doesn't take away. It's like, it's, it's, it piques your interest. Like, wow, that's really unique. What is that? But it's not like so busy. And that's, what's unique about your design. Um, I, I, I think what they were going for initially was almost like a thing where you'd have like a centerpiece and then these things on the side. And what they really did a nice job uh, and the graphics team of was just kind of blending the whole thing together as one to make it mm-hmm. more contiguous, but, they, but definitely sectioned into two different areas um, uh, with the multi-depth versus the flatter area with the felt. It's just, dude, it looks, it looks great. Really, looks I'm, I'm so, happier, uh, and I couldn't be happier because if you're not happy, I'm not happy. So dude, dude, do, this you know.
1: sucks. Come get this crap out of my house. I'll, I'll be
2: right over, bitch. I'm coming. <laughs> Go can you use a B word. So no, I'm coming. <laughs> 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 so i'm coming to swap that out you know because you're, you're two hours away you should come up here come pick up your own shit man oh there's an f-bomb sorry
1: don't drop an f and work yeah no
2: s's <laughs> Ooh. so i think if you're um um just come get your own stuff and it's great you can actually pick out what you want it's kind of cool so like we got fun. Right. like this is all r&d behind me well i'll we'll show you Just you lead the way bro
1: yeah what do you what do you so the R&D, what does that mean? So what is the stage of you for research and developing a new product? Like, how does it work? How does it work?
2: Um, it works. Um, sometimes it works accidentally. Sometimes it works. If okay. uh, someone says, hey, I need a this. Um, and and then I have to figure out how to make it. And then we have to make sure it's going to work for what I want to do with it. And so um, you take something like uh, this thing here, which is funny because someone saw it and goes, oh, yeah, I want that. And I went, how did I make that again? And And it was like. <laughs> Um, so that is a combination of what became what's called the Dax Brick, because that was the first time I did like that surface texture in a brick form for Dax Nielsen. Um, combined with a white heavy coat, what's uh, um, the, the different side of the product for what we typically would use for flat strata. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's a different surface. You're actually using a surface texture. And I was trying to imitate a specific wall that a client had. Hmm. Um, and it came out even cooler than her wall. But that one wasn't appropriate for what she was doing. I needed to make it a little different to make it look like mortar pieces and such. So I, I changed some things and then it worked. But it's still like a cool design if I can just figure out what I did.
1: Is that like individual pieces or is it a one big plank? No, kind of oh, it's
2: individual pieces. Uh, oh, I know how this thing worked. I could zoom in. But it's a... Um, uh, here so each
1: of those different things is a separate piece you had to,
2: yeah, nail it. It's put together like, yeah, essentially, but um, but not nail because I didn't build that onto the wall, I actually put it on a backer so mm-hmm. that can be relocated that just hung like a picture. Same with that strata piece over there, and what same with this one? guy over What's here. What's that black one? Uh, so the black one is strata cityscape. Uh, Carter McLean has that, um, Sammy Marandino who else has cityscape a lot lot of applications actually they're they're really fun weasel zappa has a ton of that and he did black and white in a vocal booth and it looks like Mm. alice in wonderland meets rock and roll it's awesome beetlejuice (laughs) Beetlejuice. (laughs) yes (laughs) um (laughs) yeah but it's it's really cool and then he did some really cool triangles and things the hikari studio um Mm. worth checking out if you haven't seen it it's it's neat but that's a really cool, that's a cool design. And then this one over here, I was testing, okay, what if I get gaps? What are we going to do? And can the backer that's on the back of this, uh, can that work with, um, uh, can that work with like, if I have gaps and I coat the product, uh, how do I keep the stuff from like the, from the coating not showing? or sorry, from the gaps, not showing white, which is the color of the backer. So I have to coat the backer, the same color as that. And then hope it would work and not, you know, and that was actually a success. So that was giving me, I was kind of playing with the, the concept of, okay, can I build and not necessarily have the same size pieces? Hmm. You know what I mean? Not with everything consistent on one side, usually it's 1.5 inch on one side and the other can be any length. And I was like, well, what happens if I just change it all up? Oh, I see. And so I started messing with that and then saying, well, let me see what happens with the gaps first. And that was the gap test. So they're not big gaps, but they're big enough that I could say, hey, does this work or not? So visually, I'm, 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 it was the, really the testing here. It wasn't so much with the acoustical, which is still going to be a 1.5-inch you know, velocity absorber, like, like pretty much like all the other 1.5-inch product that we would sell. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably be like a 0.95 or one uh, NRC. Um, and it's just really a cool design. And this is all made from drops. This is all made from things that come out of, certain parts of our process that I will not let anybody throw away.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. We should get, you know, want to get some really cool things on camera. We can go talk to some folks over here and you can see how excited they're going to be when I start wanting to save more parts and pieces.
1: Because <laughs> so you just collect all the garbage. Is that what you do?
2: I wouldn't call it garbage because every single thing we have is useful. It's a matter of, is it part of a standard product? No, it has to be built, has to be made. And we have to put a process in place so that it can happen with efficiency and we can sell it affordably because I want to be affordable. I don't want things I can make for one person, but I can take something like that, make something completely unique for a studio. And then I, and I haven't really, I wouldn't say, you know, I mean, it it obviously costs something to build the product, but it was like a labor of love to design and make something cool and try something like that. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then put it right into application. Um, And then you get to see, Hey, are people drawn to this? Do people ask about it? Or is there, it's kind of like ho-hum. So I kind of gauge, in real time, what people think about something as it's going in, while it's in, after, etc., and that kind of thing. Like, I've already had four people ask about your design. Mm. In fact, right in the question, people say, how much is that? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's not start with the thing. Let's start with what you're trying to accomplish. You know, we have a proven process for how we do things. Problem integration, solution, outcome. Very important. If someone says, well, how much does that cost? How big of a room? Is it yeah. going to do what you think it's going to do? doesn't matter what it costs. It's not going to work. Visually I can quote it, but that doesn't make, doesn't mean anything until cause I obviously want the acoustical. So it's, it's just getting all that together. Sometimes it's frustrating in a public forum when the solutions are very, very subjective. And our goal here is to make all of our processes the same, change the last 5% so that we can keep it within that efficiency so that we can be affordable and launch to the masses and do that in a very customized way without having to change our processes.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, two questions. Yeah. The, does the cityscape give you something different acoustically than the other two pieces that look more like strata variations?
2: Um, yes, as does the blue one. I don't know if you can see the blue one over here. That blue one, that guy over oh, there. Yeah. Yep. And that's made from, um, that's uh, what we call uh, textured strata. The textured strata um, has some different depths to it. This guy here, um, again, more similar to what would be the the coefficient, the curve of our 1.5 panel. And then this guy over here has more area, as does the textured so you get a little bit more mids uh, absorption there than you would say the highs all the highs are going to be pretty much taken out by almost everything we have um, uh, I shouldn't say completely removed but they're going to be managed managed well because mm-hmm. of how they perform for highs which a lot of absorption products do not just ours it's just the way physics works so but uh, typically when folks see this they think it's not they think of it as a quadratic diffuser but that's the design but it's not the acoustical, effect of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually an absorber and it's a really powerful absorber because it's thick and because it's got a lot of exposed area.
1: All right. Well, you're leading me down multiple avenues. I don't want to go there quite yet. What was the other question I had? Um, I don't remember. Oh, do you, is it like, if someone said, I want Mike's design... Is it like, yeah. no, we don't repeat designs? I mean, how does that work? Um,
2: me personally, I'd say, no, get your own design. No, I wouldn't, say, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I'd say, I'd be glad to make you your own design. Well, I want that design. I mean, it's like, I don't want somebody to look like you. I think I would do something with that spirit of, of the you know, with multi-depth, this kind of thing. I would also take, obviously, first in consideration what I'm trying to do acoustically. And then I could do something that in that same spirit, but not looking like you. Because I don't think someone really wants to do you they kind of do they might want to maybe you you know that can't be kind of freaky sometimes it's like what do you call what was that movie with the <laughs> oh come on um
1: i Bridget don't know Fonda. which one you're talking about face it's off a crazy Dick it, Cage. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's um um oh um oh my god Bridget mm. Fonda's in it
1: <laughs> oh it's um yes that man's um Holy Everybody's cow, watching That's this a is, '90s. That's a '90s yes, like yes. classic. And she dresses
2: up like her, like her, and everything. Uh, um, well, my wife would know. She, she would single like, white
1: female. Boom. Thank you,
2: oh, <laughs> killing me. So single white female kind of thing where you know I, I want someone to have their own design, be in the spirit, but not like single white female. Mike scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and usually the situation calls for something a little different based on shape of the room, size, height of the ceiling, all the other parameters, amount of diffusion that's already in the space. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So, um, How many rooms are set up to be a corner like mine? Is that typical or is it not normally? <clears throat>
2: normal? um, actually, yours is kind of unique in that way. It's kind of cool, but a lot of folks like will have some kind of like, cause they want to do, they'll want to have the acoustical treatment in place, but they'll want to have like a main shot They'll want to, you know, they'll actually know in advance what, um, what type of, um, what type of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Camera angles and things like this they want to have in place. So it's easy to say, okay, this will be your main shot here. Then we'll, we'll do a side shot this way. I'm going to, you know, if they're teaching, especially then they'll, they'll, they'll kind of already have a lot of those things in place. Mm. So in the, um, uh, so in your, um, in your particular studio, it's really unique because we went right to the corner. We mm-hmm. knew we were going to have something to the left, but we didn't know about the right and the amount of space between the wall and the window kind of a thing, which mm-hmm. is still kind of a cool corner. Cause it has the combination of what's on the other side of the room that nobody has seen yet. Right. But <laughs> cool, yeah. Ooh. It's like, that's <laughs> awesome. But what's on the other side, you know, um, a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times you can do that, um, with a feature wall and then things on the left and right. The other big benefit of having a design like that, I guess, not in the corner that way, where if somebody truly wants a different kind of shot, sometimes they have different shows, you know, or sometimes they're doing different types of niches that they're serving oh, and they right. want to change it. Um, so that's, there's that. And then also sometimes folks don't have the budgetary, uh, means with which to say, do you know a designed full room, but they can design one or two walls. And mm-hmm. so that's where, um that's where it it um it really helps to have a um like I said, a, you know, a couple options if you can, or just you know, things you have to think about how people are gonna use the space. Mm-hmm. Part All of right, it, it's just the integration. Anyway.
1: Let's get into some sound theory here because I think I think the biggest issue, well, I mean drums, obviously we don't talk about the room enough and how challenging that can be. This room sounded I had never played drums in here when there was nothing in it. And it was downright shocking how reverberant it was. Um, Like there's no way I would have been able to keep drums in this room. So let's talk about sound proofing versus sound treatment.
2: Okay. So typically, again, we're starting with the, you know, problem integration solution outcome type path of Mm -hmm. solving sound problems. Um, The problem there is, okay, what are we trying to solve for? And that would be, all right, well, how much isolation do you require? And trying to really understand what that means from a very prag- practical and pragmatic uh, approach. This is this is acceptable. If I were half as loud, my wife wouldn't kill me. I can, you can mm-hmm. keep your drums, honey, as long as it's half as loud. Um, or I have a neighbor outside my window, uh, was the case with Jake Summers, uh, very close to his window, where... Part of the success of that solution, regardless of the look and what had happened inside that room, was to make sure that we created enough barriers. So that was more of a soundproofing or isolation type uh, strategy in that particular instance. With, um, uh, But we also can couple that with what's happening on the treatment side. And based upon what we're able to remove in the space or adjust in the space will affect how much can actually leave through the deficiencies in the boundary. And that would Mm -hmm. be, say, in most cases, like Jake's case, the window Um, in the case of the house where a lot of people miss are things like. You know, um, obviously cracks in doors, uh, sound that's going to go through the structure itself and resonate in other areas as structural noise. And then you have the HVAC system, which is direct air connectivity. Sometimes, you know, you can even see it. When at my old house, I had a, a vent. And it was a return shared between my room, the bedroom, the master, and my kids' room. That was just bad news altogether. There was no ah. reason to have that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud that was a problem, um, sure. but it was, you know. But that's like a. Um, uh, it was good to you know to recognize that as these are the things that folks need to look at. I think we even taken a picture of it to show how you know because I like to teach my team and show them things I bump into in the field to show why. That can be a problem in working with someone's home, Um, Mm. whether it's recording to try to isolate for that or just your daily activities. So difference between the two. I think when people speak to soundproofing, they're talking about isolation. How much Mm. isolation do you require and then how much um, treatment in the space do you require? So it's weird because you're going to work with both to get to the solution. And that's the Mm. key. What, what is the balance between the two? Um, and as you say, let's say I really want to be isolated. I'm going to do a double wall construction. I'm going to have double doors um, or I'm going to put in a resilient channel. These are all words that people may have read about, uh, you know, or they, they're understanding. Um, and once you have a um, a condition set up where you have enough mass, the trick is then don't put holes in it with like canned lighting. It's a big mistake people make. Um, but also once you've done all that um, to, to account for the mass of things that would leave, you also have to deal with now what you've, Kept in the room that no longer can leave, and mm-hmm. so managing that by changing angles on walls, which is a very expensive proposition for a lot of folks, and also comes down to the reality of okay, how much isolation do you require, and then mm-hmm. what kind of treatment are we going to need, or or should we need based upon what we're you know um, what we can change based upon budgetary constraints. Often that's where it's gonna where it's gonna stop, especially where somebody's in a temporary situation or perceive a move in the near future.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when we first started talking, you saw the picture of the window. You're like, well, what are you going to do with that? And for me, it was like, it doesn't matter because it kind of shoots down into like a a courtyard where there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think... I mean that would have cost a lot more, right? If we would have had to deal with that window, it's a big. Uh, no,
2: no, no, because you know what? Because the neighbors aren't right there. If you had somebody, um, I mean, what would we do to add mass? Obviously, my first choice in that scenario is, okay. Hey, can we get a can we get an appropriately rated window for what we know is going to be going out? Mm. And unfortunately, even the the windows that you would find say in hotels by airports and things like this that are very high end windows, you're still going to have things coming through. The question is, is can we weaken the energy enough? So that it's, you know, if I have to worry about a hundred feet, 200 feet, you know, mm. a half mile, uh, depends on who who's playing. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but in some cases, um, like Jake's, I'm talking, you could jump from his window to the neighbor's bedroom window. And that's like, that's really, really, um, that was, that was tricky, but we, we, we basically added a mass layer. We put in a sheet of our, uh, 6.4, uh, peacemaker. And then I just put panels and I knew once I did that, plus everything else that was planned for the space, I wouldn't have an issue. And outside, Mm. it was no louder than than the birds chirping. The birds outside were louder than his playing at full force.
1: Wait, so did did that negate his window entirely?
2: Um, He would not be able to use the window in an easy way. We could have made something that would be removable, but why does that not work? Because a situation, a solution that's going to have mass is going to be heavy and hard to move. And that's just a pain in the ass because you have other things in the space and you may bring it up and down. He's got other windows. So it wasn't in your situation, but in your case, um, it's not necessarily expensive proposition. Sometimes just layer of mass loaded vinyl, um, which is clear. Get that, make sure you get the, uh, uh, the, the thermal control. There's a uh, UV rated version of mass loaded vinyl that allows for, um, I guess, better longevity. The product doesn't yellow on you. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you like yellow in your room, Go for that yeah that look uh that cyan look, um and then you get um uh or you're you're doing something like that, but I think you know, and then panels on top or something, just to, just to help. Again, it's a reflective surface, so we want to we want to treat that um, as a percentage in your space. It's it's a lot in other spaces. It's not as bad, but um, you're working with those kind of things. That's why it's good to get a kind of a pro who's been down the street and says, "Hey, let's start with this." If you have a solution that costs six hundred bucks or five hundred bucks or could cost that much with with labor or whatever, are you comfortable with that? And if the mm. answer is yes, now you have a project. So you're kind of qualifying yourself based upon what a perceived cost might be. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're renting, you got to spread that over the cost of your lease. These kinds of things. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. common sense that goes into it that um, you have to think about in advance before you even start figuring out what what things you're going to employ. Are you comfortable with something that could cost between here and here? If the answer is yes, then you're kind of qualified for a solution for your window.
1: Mm. All right, what about floors and ceilings? I know we've we obviously can see the stuff on the walls, pretty obvious. Yeah, but. The importance of treating the floor or in the right. ceiling.
2: So floors and ceilings, um, real tricky, actually, uh, because that's as, as it's part of your structure. Um, we don't want the we don't want the walls to vibrate uh, if we can help it. Um, We want to minimize that. Um, So in the build, typically you'll have something between the studs and the room itself. Sometimes that'll be an air gap if you can afford to build that way. But it depends. Uh, um, I can tell you that those are really important surfaces because they're, um, yes, they're connected to the structure. But sometimes you have living spaces where there's other people who are closer to you than would be, say, your sidewalls. Mm, You know, your walls. So someone above you, um, uh, if you're in the basement there, you're above the kitchen or you're above where your wife's watching TV or where the kids are playing or something, or sometimes it's switched. But um, again, it's going to be a matter of mass. And uh, uh, if it's isolation from, and you've got footfall heard in your recordings, And this sort of thing. Now you've got a much bigger issue because that's going to, you know, horses are kind of already the barn if the thing's already built. Right. Mm -hmm. So now things like carpet go a long way. Plush carpet um, can help with some footfall. And sometimes the best solution is like, look, when I'm recording, I'm going to not let anybody in this room. I'm going to put up, you know, tape off the room or tell people you're going to be in there because that's the best solution is to not need one. You know, mm-hmm. um, don't play when, during Grey's Anatomy and your wife comes to work. or this Grey's is us or whatever Anatomy. the show. Does that still come on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, she's still catching this season. So I've been trained. I'm, I'm trained. Things I can do with noise in the house, you know, when, and that's one of the times it's a not. And that's when I can be married for 27 years, you know? So <laughs> So you and Sarah, man, you got to kind of like, you got to plan these things out because the best solution is to not need one. If I can practice Mm -hmm. uh, and do my thing when she's not going to be bothered, then I don't need to have a solution. The only solution Mm -hmm. I would need is one, say, to create the appropriate environment if I were going to record. And why anyone would want to hear me other than me? Like I said, I ain't an issue. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the one one thing I thought was going to be super problematic was the vent in my ceiling because that that connects to the whole house, it goes straight to the master bathroom, so it's not a major problem. But if my wife gets up at night, she can hear go to the bathroom. She can hear me playing. So, the simple solution of just putting this magnetic vinyl cover—did yeah, you get one? It. Did
2: you try it? I did.
1: You I know. Instantaneous. That that was a thing.
2: Instantaneous. Yeah. So again, we're kind of in the know in the hip, and we don't. Sell them, make them, if you will, but they're on Amazon and they're cheap. Would uh, know, you get a three pack for ten bucks yeah. or something? It was bucks? like
1: I think it was fifteen bucks for three of them. Yeah, for three, yeah, big and, deal. And, and they right something, off.
2: yeah. And so there, and you can. So if it's. Uh, Obviously, when you need the airflow, you, you take it down. But if it's like, hey, I'm just going to do something for an hour at night, you have to remember to take it on and off. But again, it's not a big deal
1: mm-hmm. for
2: what would the cost of, say, insulated ductwork and replacement of all that. Um, and rerouting and things like this or setting up a secondary you know, path to your room and mm-hmm. have it separate from the rest of the house. No. Fifteen yep. dollars. Done. Non-issue. <laughs> You know, and frankly, I don't want to have to drag someone through that kind of condition. The worst thing I can do is to give advice where I have someone has to do the heavy stuff. And it's like, it's terrible. We get calls from folks that are in apartments and I'm doing this and I'm either bothering these people here or these people are doing that and they're bothering me here. And it's in a temporary situation for everyone. Mm-hmm. So nobody's going to benefit from the build out except the owner of the building. And sometimes they'll actually realize, hey, you know what? I didn't realize how big of a problem this is now what people are doing with their free time and who could possibly move in with podcasts, uh, interests and such or gaming or movies. Um, uh, And so they might actually contribute or even fix the issue by increasing the mass layer and building out a wall and doing things like that. So um, of course it's, it's, um, it's a whole other strategy in terms of where to go, how to look for, for places. But I can tell you that, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's nice when I hear, cause it's rare when the landlord will participate and help separate a space. Mm. It's also yeah, good to ask mind. these things just before your lease. So it's almost like, you know, I'm thinking of moving. I got a couple months left. I'm thinking I'm about to give you notice, but you know what? I think I could stay if you could swing this. And now mm. you've got a little bit of a, if you do this for me, I'm going to give you at least a year and now they're like, hmm, you know, hey, I don't have to worry about finding someone. I'm not going to skip two months of rent or whatever, you know, and for a little bit of build out, you know, it's, it's a good time to kind of put your toe in the water. Um, I got that from Luke on our team the other that was talking about that. I said, that is a great idea because that's really the right time to ask
1: when there's there something go. in it for the landlord. Not just drumming here. It's real estate tips,
2: <laughs> man. It's well, you know what? Because when we move, we're loud, you know, and and yeah. to have your passion with you and not be married to electronic drums and not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's a different feel, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think it's it's really important to kind of take into consideration who's going to be around, who might complain, because if you can avoid those situations, th- again, the best solution is to not need one.
1: Dig that. So let's talk about absorption versus diffusion. I know these are terms that everyone talks about, but what does it really mean and when do you use it? And
2: Well, um, again, depends on the space in terms of the specific application, but the difference between the two is one is going to be more of a, let's say, a scattering effect where it's going to break up uh, sound energy. And scatter that and change the rate of return, Uh, sometimes cancel those uh, waves by how they will be affected by a diffuser. Um, uh, The absorption element is one of a a velocity absorber, for example, is going to, via friction, um, transfer the energy from what is a mechanical wave to an energy wave. And you don't hear those. So literally there is an elimination through friction in an absorption panel. Um, diffusion works similarly only in the sense that when you weaken, uh, when you diffuse the energy, when you cause it to to have an inconsistent return and you have different uh, waves bumping into each other, if you will these kinds of things, um, you're going to break up how um, how that's returned into the space and that's going to give you a similar weakened effect because lesser pressure okay, is perceived as lower volume um, so that's another way of canceling Scattering and usually rooms will consist of both. Um, when I go into a space, um, I will, um, you know, you have some different depths on your wall, not that they're huge variations and such, we could go there. But again, it's such a small space, it's very hard to do a lot. But we took a lot of the diffusive elements in consideration for how we made the design on the opposite walls and i also knew you had yep. your desk there and i also knew you had your computer there and i know you had the window there and so and you have the closet doors there so looking at all those little nooks and crannies and the way that sound is going to respond on the other side of the room that's in the design you didn't know that but that's that's the kind of stuff i look at and and your ceiling scattering that a little bit i didn't want to be super consistent with how we did the ceiling i needed to make sure there were enough gaps in there but i had to make sure i could take that first attack off the kit before it gets, you know, thrown up and down in that space, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and increases because as huh. anyway, so that's that's the the big diff, if you will, um, mm-hmm. typically have solutions with both in in some of the spaces. I'm not going to, you know, if I were doing listening positions and I had a room that was specifically designed for something, I would focus toward one or the other um, as the room needed it um, to balance the room. But it just really depends on what I'm solving for and what the purpose mm-hmm. of the space is.
1: You said something there that I never thought about: is you turning the totally. sound wave in via friction. What was it again? You're mechanical. You're turning it. Yeah.
2: So, so you think about the early days of physics, uh, when you when you took physics in school, and they said, okay, one one vibrating molecule hitting another vibrating molecule, and that's kind of how you know that's kind of how uh, uh, sound moves from you know through the air, right? Um, it has to have a medium. So the whole concept of aliens with no one in space will hear your scream. And the answer is absolutely they won't because you can't scream if they can't hear it. And that's because there's nothing to connect you with the
1: mm-hmm. other person.
2: Cause in a vacuum, there's nothing else there. Um, sound requires a medium. Um, water is kind of cool. it transfers sound 25% faster than the air. That's why when someone clicks on the side of the pool, you hear it so fast. You can't, your um. brain can't even discern, can't discern between the time lapse between your right ear and your left ear. And it sounds like it's everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's hitting
2: you closer to what we, our brain is not used to hearing something that fast and so you can't perceive where it is it's just kind of interesting. Um, uh, anyway, uh, going back to your original original thought, which was the, um, help me out here. Um,
1: the, the absorption, the absorption turns, 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 it the, right. the so the mechanical what wave, was the process right, again? Mechanical yes, wave.
2: Sorry. So the one, one vibration for right, everything, the next molecule, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to you know transfer that way and create a wave. You have, you have a, a molecule that moves this way and, uh, and, and this one that moves in and out and, you know, compression refraction, it's, Geeky. It's worth looking up. It's fun if you want some new words. But in in short, um, they they move from one molecule to the other. When it gets to your material, for example, um, that material through friction, okay, will basically turn the the wave as it as it hits it. Much like I almost compare it to water and the lap lanes, where uh, the waves are are essentially uh, canceled. They 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 got this big. Um, well, that's not a good example. It's a good example, but it's hard to explain. Um you will basically uh, turn your your mechanical wave into a heat to a heat wave through friction. so the the air moving in and out of the panel is causing the panel to move and vibrate, and that energy, as that moves, uh, because it's not part of the same uh, continuation of of molecules of the air, um it's it's stable, but it will it will you know the energy transfer basically turns into heat through friction.
1: Okay, that was going to bring up my Sorry. next question. Could you play loud enough to start a fire? <laughs> interesting.
2: <laughs> Dude, you win the most interesting question
1: here. <laughs> um
2: Yes, I mean, if I, I had would like
1: say, a jet engine in here and I cranked it up, would these panels say, just ignite?
2: <laughs> I would say, I would say, uh, no, it would have to be pretty loud, but it's the same concept. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, technically speaking, you could use sound waves, right? To, to move. I mean, we actually cut our material with sound waves.
1: Oh, no kidding.
2: That's cool. And we use ultrasonic cutting. And all that is is a vibration that moves so fast and there's such friction, it creates heat and it actually separates material. It's fantastic. It's really cool. And it's Mm -hmm. clean. And it doesn't have smoke and it's this kind of stuff where, you know, if you're cutting fabrics and such, so, which we do. So it's really neat to have that kind of technology. Um, So the answer to that is yes, but I don't think a human could do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Considering our, our, our ultrasonic cutters vibrate anywhere from 30,000 to um, uh, uh, 60,000 cycles per per second. So it's like, Mm. it's like, Holy cow. I mean, it's (laughs) very, 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 very fast. 30,000, um, 30,000, 30, 6,000, I think uh, a minute. It's got to be a minute. A hertz? I don't is
1: that kilohertz? I don't know. Is uh, that it's Yeah, it's, 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 it's,
2: yeah. it's like getting overly geeky on it. It, it. it really is cool to look up because there is technically a, it is transferred to heat energy, you know, to thermal energy. Um, Fascinating. So, yeah. That'd be funny. You could heat your home by beating your drums.
1: <laughs> I mean, it gets hot in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, okay. So what is What is your first steps for like assessing a room and what they might need?
2: Um, What somebody wants it to sound like. Hmm. So, um, yeah, what do you want it to sound like? Um, Sometimes I'm and and this is important to assess because then sometimes it's like, all right. um, um, In certain cases where someone has built a room in a room and a room that already had a low ceiling and say your room is like uh, six foot eight and there's like no room there's no room and not only that the pressure is is much greater when you think about the overall volume that you bring down so knowing kind of like what i'm going to have to do it's kind of a test in the water of you know putting a toe in the water of you know what do you want to sound like and i hope i hope a drier room is going to be appealing to you considering the height of your ceiling and i'm i, I know that in the back of my head already but i'm I, I'm trying to have people articulate it so it's their idea not mine
1: mm-hmm. um
2: uh to have something that might end up being a little tighter um uh, i think i think what's interesting is is folks understanding what sound they like and sometimes they don't know um it's um you can back off the acoustics in your space by adding reflective things. You could hang pictures, you can hang, you know, you know, things of, of Plexi, you can put things back into the space to to bring back some of the the brightness if you want it for certain takes. I'm actually working on some things that will let me do uh, both in a, in a space, changeable mm-hmm. things. So stay tuned, uh, no pun, but your, um, <laughs> but the first step really is is finding what people want and what they like. And I've always found that they're the biggest thing is that do people want, or some people want the room to be the art, I want this room to sound a certain way so that um, I can get that effect. I want that natural live, you know, a live room, literally to sound like you're sitting in front of a bar and, and, you know, sitting at a bar and you're listening to a trio. And I want it Mm -hmm. to sound like that. Um, And we can, in that, that characteristic that sound signature becomes kind of characteristic of that space. And um, uh, in some cases folks want that. Um, In other cases, folks want um, a room that is, I I take the room out of the equation. Mm. I mean, I want to, I want to take the room out so that I can, I want to record clean and easy, mix easy, grab the sounds that I need. And then I want to be able to process that afterwards. And that's what most of the folks I'm working with want because of the, uh, the nature of content building today.
1: Mm. Yeah, right. I mean, the big, big roomy drum 70s style Early seventies drums. That doesn't really happen too much anymore.
2: It's it's records. hard. It's hard. Um, <laughs> uh, there's there's a couple of folks I'm working with now, uh, Dave Weckham, who um, <laughs> who's who really likes that that he wants the room to be the sound. He wants you know he he knows what he wants. He's, he's got an ear that's so trained. He's 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 got a target, and that actually makes it easier for me in mm-hmm. some ways because he's kind of the one doing the design. Mm -hmm. You know? So when someone can tell me, Hey, here's what I want. And that's, that's fantastic. Sometimes when folks say, Hey, I don't care. Um, some folks are, you know, they're just different levels of engagement in that part in that part of it. But I know if they're recording, if they're doing a lot of video and things like this, I already kind of know what they're into. I know what they need. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just, but the whole thing is, is talking about it. It's always about the fun of articulating that and sharing the excitement and then creating a design that makes that happen. And we arrive at some really unique designs. I mean, we obviously saw, I think you saw like four or five versions of your wall. Yeah. You know? Um, and then even the reality came in a little bit different um, with the, uh, with the felt, the color of the felt mm. last minute. So it comes down to what a person wants.
1: Why is foam a four letter word?
2: Why is foam a word? Because it has four letters. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it, it's, it's a, um, uh, let's start with this. It's not earth friendly. I can produce, you can, it's, it's, a, it's produced with, with releasing of gases and things like this. Um, so it's, it's not as earth friendly as say our cellulose um, uh, configuration, fiberglass, same thing. takes a lot of energy. Um, the, the, the four letter word on, on foam also is because I think what drives me crazy is the expectation that when folks buy that um, uh, and I'm not saying things like oral cause I think they do have um, proper, density for some of the applications they sell to. But it's when folks think they're getting the same thing then they go on Amazon and they buy a dollar a foot or $2 a foot type stuff, uh, mm-hmm. foam, and they put it on the wall and they think they're going to get the same efficacy that you would say out of, you know, even Owens Corning 703 or my material, um, more earth friendly, but I'm just saying. So it's, it's, the, the difference is huge and it's almost a waste because it's not doing anything for what they perceive it's it's doing. If someone specified it and said, "Hey, an acoustician or somebody with with a lot of experience says, "Hey, I want you to do this." Um and and and, and that's because they they knew how that performed fine. But that's not what's happening. People think they're getting something that they're not really getting. And when mm-hmm. like I think a great example would be Vlad, I don't know if you know Vlad Gligny. Mm-hmm. Um he had foam all over the place. I said, "Dude, you're not going to believe the change." It was night and day. And listen to his sound now. Oh, Mm -hmm. boy. I mean, it's a combination. One great player with good mics, with good equipment, a good ear. And man, the room is just gone. And it's like I was listening to um, someone yesterday. I can't remember who it was. was playing outside. And isn't that a great scenario? There's Mm -hmm. no return. You don't have any walls. (laughs) Non-issue. You have a floor. And that's, you know, I'm just saying that's the isn't that the condition we want? You know, but some people, you know, they, they find that to be boring when you're playing so dry. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's quite frustrating to hear every single thing you're doing want to yeah, clean up your left hand <laughs> you want to clean up your weak hand you want to you want your brushwork to be cleaned up here you go sorry to deliver the bad news
1: yeah also um, it's going to show deficiencies in your tuning these drums sounded so different yes i mean it was like whoa i hadn't really paid attention to the rack tom in a couple weeks and i can tell
2: <laughs> um first the first thing that people say is whoa i gotta tune these i have to retune it's like yeah but that's what you were hearing before it's just you didn't hear it. Um, I was telling you about Sammy Marandino's uh, challenge. His initial challenge when he called was, I can't tell the difference in my different bass drums. Mm-hmm. I, they're, they're, I can't hear them. And then there's other issues associated with the chronological passage of time and as humans. But it's a, uh, that happens with our ears and I'm, I'm in the same boat. But I can tell you that Um, but his, um, you know, getting the, the, the drum separated from the structure was a big deal. And then also having the, um, having the room, not, you know, having the, the lows, not just you can hear something down there because there wasn't this cacophony of mids and highs floating all over the damn place. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we did leave a lot in that space, but it just, we just needed to control that enough where he could actually now hear different tones in the bass drums
1: it's cool fascinating Um, how in the world did you end up down this path
2: (laughs) no idea man i needed a job no no i was like i was like (laughs) i think it started it started with um begging no it started with like solving my own problems and when i wanted to play drums and i was living in temporary places i needed to solve my own problems and so, what am i going to do And so it was, it started with solving my own problems and then that led one to the other. And what was interesting at that time when I was trying to find materials that would work and I I wasn't interested in working with things that I didn't want to handle or I I couldn't handle and I wasn't, you know, big, I wasn't a builder um, or anything like this. It had to be simple and easy and preferably portable. And so the concept of a sheeted product was, was great and getting the right density and getting it tested and having it, you know, be able to, uh, to have, you know, good lab reports that would show the actual performance of the product in terms of also like having it, you know, held off walls and such simple, easy, portable um, and works and cheap for drummers. Cause I was, not making any money at the time. And so it was really important um, to make something that would work for me. And once I had it, it was like, well, I was on eBay at the time early selling a bunch of different things. I think I told you that funny story that we'll have mm-hmm. on, on, on this <laughs> podcast, but finding things that, that that had value there. And I realized that in order to stay there, to continue with the sales, you needed to be your own thing. You needed to source your own thing. And I realized, wait a minute here, 70% of manufacturers are making stuff for somebody else it's outsourced Mm -hmm. manufacturing so i don't have to make it okay i i do make things here in the united states they're ours but i think it's a but i do want i don't have to be you know the manufacturer i need to be the brand and you know case in point i mean it's so funny because i just saw this the other day do you know who makes bw3 sauce bw3 they're renowned for their sauces right guess what it's made by marzetti out of Columbus, Ohio.
1: There you go. <laughs> shout out
2: shout out to a great salad dressing company who makes sauces and they've got a great partnership. They have a division that makes commercial sauces and such. Uh-huh. So that's a really cool thing. Um, but something so renowned that you think that that's like the Coke recipe. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and there it's made by somebody else because that's just what they do. And they can focus on their operations in the restaurants and making great wings and sourcing great stuff and that kind of thing. Um, uh, So I, I, just to say, it's a, um, I got into it through what was available. And at the time things that people were getting rid of was available, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's where I started with anti-vibration things with neoprene and different, and then just started doing a lot of sourcing and a lot of learning a lot of studying and testing and finding and spending a lot of money in labs to make sure things were doing what I was hearing, but make sure it was actually happening because I have to prove it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and um, took a long time, but you know, it, it just, we managed to get there and have something that was solving my problem. And then I we managed to get there and something that would then be marketable. And Automute was a made up name um, that I made up and it just became a thing. It's funny. You now I worked for Automute. It's like, wow, that's the name <laughs> I made up. So actually the company is the name after my jazz band's one wish which is named after my jazz band from way back when so go figure that but body Meat was born and you just never know what you're gonna end up doing yeah. just stay stay passionate stay true don't be afraid of the hard work um, and you will you know perseverance and honesty um, mutual helpfulness those kind of things go a long way
1: do you still play
2: i th- i i you know when I really retired my sticks is when I met Carter McLean.
0: <laughs> He'd hate <laughs> to hear that. He'd hate <laughs> to hear that.
2: <clears throat> and then it was because it just went downhill from there. It was like meet Carter, and it just even in the testing, and I'd never, I'd never been, I don't think ever that close to a professional drummer, like a pro. And you looked how relaxed he is; he can almost fall asleep on the throne. I'm like, man, it was just I would never arrive there. And I realized, you know what? But if I can help this guy with something he really needs. I think I like being the athletic supporter than the athlete. <laughs>
1: <laughs> athletic supporter? You mean know, trainer?
2: It's, it, sounds, it sounds kind of funny, but yeah, the athletic <laughs> trainer. No, but the but the supporters like it's a joke. But I'm just thinking like if I could be like I'm not going to be the guy on the field. You know, ain't gonna happen. Uh, I'm going to be the, the fair weathered fan. But I but actually more along the line of a of a partner in their sound. Mm-hmm. And what I found, and in, in you're the your same thing here. Case in point, you and, and uh, every guy that I've had the pleasure of working with, and there's been a bunch. It's been they're good people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm finding at the at the top here, where I'm working, and I'm so blessed to do this, man. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't take it for granted for a second. They're good people. You have your share of douchebags, you know? And, but it's like, but you know who to avoid, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know who those guys are. Uh, reputations precede people. But I can tell you that I've had a real pleasure of, of creating this, um, uh, working within, I call the Good Guys Club, a good people's club, I should say, because now I got mm-hmm. some female drummers under my belt. But it's a, um, it's been great to meet fantastic people. You, you, the same. I mean, look at all the cool things you do. Oh my God. I mean, dude, I say, Mike Dawson, you look like Mike Dawson. I'm like, wow and this is all i know this is he's a great guy you know and it's fun and we hang out we're
1: all <laughs> <You know>? nerds <laughs> Yeah,
2: we're kind of geeked out by what we do you're more technical than others you know which is cool um you're actually fun in that way because you got that development sense that i have you know mm. uh, which is you know hmm, how we make that better how can we fix this it's just it's a it's a way of uh, pursuit of I don't know that, that, that sound or passion, the things you want to hear. And, um, uh, it, it's cool. It's a neat thing. Um, uh, some guys have that bug and some don't, but that's just a characteristic of a personality, but everybody's so nice and they're, they're good people. I mean, it, it, that's been the exciting part about this whole process, honestly.
1: Forks drum closet, Nashville's full line drum store, celebrating its 40th year in business. Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of music city. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee or call 615-383-8343 or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. Have you had any products that you've just had the abandoned ship that just didn't do what you hoped they would have done?
2: <clears throat> um, abandon ship, like here, don't go this way. Um, there's probably been a bunch that have, that I've tested and failed um, mm. for sure. But ones that I've had to abandon, um, uh,
1: do you not abandon then. Cause then what do you do? Modify? I mean, do you, do
2: you, um, how I mean, do you we make changes something? all the time, we make changes mm-hmm. all the time. Um, it's why I'm in the field, you know um, just, you get the experience from your customer's perspective and it is very compelling when you're in a meeting and you say, this is what I want to have happened. This is why. Um, uh, hanging solutions have been um, huge for us. That's one of our areas of expertise because hanging our products can be very tricky. But getting to like the Brad Mueller concept, which is so easy, and you can't mm-hmm. hang there's no panel that hangs faster and is more as less invasive than our, our acoustic color panels, for example. Um, but it's uh, um, uh, so it's been like abandoning some of those methods, things, things we've changed. Our panels have changed. We um, we densified our core and got rid of our frames, for example. Mm. Um, we had some trade offs, but nothing that would. Nothing that we'll we'll miss compared to the complexity of the framing that we had to build and the trick of shipping those frames. Um, so uh, that was something we abandoned the metal frame. Um, uh, hanging method, everything about it changed when we did that. So that was a, mm. that was an earth changing moment. What um, was it? So what was it
1: more like a, like a picture panel? You were actually hanging yeah. on the nail Actually it's something? funny
2: because the ones I have on my wall here are that way. So it's, they were more wrapped. they were more wrapped, if you will, like gallery wrapped the same way you would, you would wrap an, an image if you were going to look at pictures in a gallery. Um, and they were wrapped around a metal frame. And so those um, those changed. We changed that out and with a whole different process. And that process, as I've told you about, has led to some other really, really big opportunities because of what we're doing now and what relative um, benefits that has to other industries like aerospace for how we connect Uh things together. And so that's a huge, a huge thing. And for us, it's something we do every single day, every day. Um, so abandoned, um, I've had, I told you my really bad ideas that I can't share probably on your podcast for to keep you G <laughs> but, um,
1: <laughs> Well, I think you covered, I mean, I'm, what about like, to get an idea? How long does it take for you to then make it like a, an actual marketable option?
2: marketable option. <clears throat> wow. Um, for me, and this is the cool part, a lot of big companies have to have their ideas and such generated out of house or in a different department where they're allowed to make mistakes and they're allowed to try things out looking bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas I kind of value my mistakes to show that I tried something and it didn't work. Um, uh, you know, good failures, things that are proving, ah, that's good. We don't want to do this. We should do something different. Um, really important stuff. So two different things. One is, I guess, um, how do I get from, from, from concept to, to product, um, happens extremely quickly. Like the next application, it's like, mm. I want to try this here. You know, okay. let's say for example, it would be an offset mount for, um, for a wall, uh, fixture. Like let's say you have a, say a four foot by eight foot section of a, of a design in a space. And I want to offset that and LED behind it. And I want to make it so that, it's offset. I don't wanna sacrifice the sound. How do I, how do I get a sound benefit out of that? Be able to offset it so I can get LED channel in there. I can also replace the LEDs if I need to. So you know, those are all things you have to consider. Um, hide the wiring, blah, blah, blah. And um, and how's is, how's is that gonna be done? that's a big one um, how are we going to this happened recently it's um, just something I, I keep bumping into and I, I was frustrated and I said I need a solution for this and and I literally I can thank um, several customers for for helping me understand what what's out there for this because I'm not an electrician which is bringing um, uh, plugs and such off the wall so that we could you know you could finish the wall with a one inch uh, panel on there. Yours is a little tricky because of the multi-depth. I mean, mm-hmm. my goodness, we had to be really creative on that left side. Um, um, I wouldn't do that as a marketable thing. Cause it's tricky for folks to do what I just did for you. But, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly bring, you could saw You saw what I did when we brought those, you know, your sockets out so that we could have a flush mounted plate against the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was nicely before I cracked it Oh uh, yeah, a beer, but it's a, uh,
1: <laughs> I don't think that 50 cent, uh, outlet Somewhere there, like my but it's, but it, but it, it was, was hiding like behind the, uh, yeah, like the I said, um,
2: it, it was, um, yeah, but it, it's, it's, uh, perfecting. That was, that was a recent development to help folks keep a certain look in their space. Um, um, there's a bunch, man. I fail a lot. I mean, I tried to do a thing where I could have a grout grouted panel to really have like something huge and seamless fail. <laughs> um couldn't get the right material. I couldn't hide the seam, you know, like a mm-hmm. Bospophon who does like like acoustical plaster and you come in there and their whole thing is a literal plaster curves and all kinds of beautiful things with contiguous surfaces. Um it uh, doesn't work with our with our stuff. So mm-hmm. trying to focus on like buying sections of things, putting them together and maybe be able to make it seamless. It doesn't, it's just hard to hide those seams really hard, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about a material like ours, that's made from recycled fibers that is going to have natural, you know, slight variances in things. Um, there's going to be slight variances just because of how it is working with recycled materials. It's part of it. It's mm-hmm. part of the, the nature of my beast. But anyway,
1: uh, how big yeah. of a panel can you currently make?
2: Um, well, as one piece, yeah. uh, it, it really comes down to what we can ship. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, and then what can be handled on site right. You know what I mean? We've made some really big panels. Um, uh, I don't know how big the largest would be. You start getting into the area of um, uh, players in my market who will uh, build things onto the wall and those are like called, called stretch wall systems and things like that where your panels are actually built onto the wall and then you cover it Right there on the, we put the material in and then you cover it and it's kind of a stretch thing between your, you know, they fit into your, um, your track, which is essentially your edging. Uh, And then there's different ways of finishing that edge based on those systems, different animal, um, highly decorative, uh, very different installation process. Um, a little more invasive, obviously, but it's uh, it, in some cases it works. I don't employ that. Um, I do have some OEMs we sell to who have that system that use us on the inside as their absorption panel, um, but um, original equipment manufacturers essentially. But it's not uh, it's not our intent to launch that. So biggest I like to make um, the biggest I think is a four by four. Me personally, because when handling it in the field, you know four by eights I can do those. They're just hard to handle. Mm-hmm. things get messed up. You know, if it's an image panel, things get kind of dirtied, can be done. Not my favorite. Best thing I like to ship. I like to ship things in small packages, like two by fours, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, we're on a pallet, a four by four pallet where things just don't get messed up, you know, in in freight. Um, someone told us our creating was so nice that they would ship their children in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please take them.
2: <some. laughs> take my kids, ship them. Yeah, what's this?
1: <laughs> oh man well we're coming towards the end here and I kind of wanted Damn. to I wanted to make sure we we covered just some like hierarchy of of what's the simplest solution and then how far can can someone potentially take it?
2: um simple solutions um what are you talking about with, with specific solutions that we have or in general
1: or well let's say yeah start with what you have and maybe maybe it's just yeah. like put some furniture in your room is your solution number one
2: i mean sometimes getting some stuff in the space right obviously uh, but simple solutions uh simple is like sound absorption sheets um simple easy uh you know sheets they're 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 made for absorption they're made for what you're going to be using them for especially for drums because that's its my first innovation and still among my favorite um then there's it just gets cooler from there but it doesn't oh, necessarily get more effective from there okay um depending on how you install the sheets you can you know hang them off the wall but by putting an inch or in a two inch gap behind it you're going to get a much bigger you know bump in the low and in, in the in the mids uh and say low frequency it's hard to absorb but you're going to get a big bump in the in the uh in the nrc um you get 20 to 30% more efficacy by taking any panel and offsetting it an inch Mm -hmm. or two. So um, anyway, so sheets are a very inexpensive way to start. It's really just talking to somebody. I mean, I get a lot of calls from folks that obviously already have solutions, but now they want something cool. And I'm like, okay, don't throw out your old panels. Let's figure out how to reemploy them somewhere else in the space so mm. that they're still usable um to some degree you paid for them they got made yes you poisoned our atmosphere but you know hey it's okay you know it's well uh, now yeah <laughs> but now it's made let's use it and the worst thing would be to throw it out right? Um, right or give it to someone else who's just starting out and and you'll kind of just step up and then do a good thing and help somebody who would really appreciate what you've got there um not great stuff but when they're ready to step up same thing happens but this way mm. We're not punishing the earth for, you know, by having to make more, this kind of thing. Um, so hard to hard to say, um, but starting, you start there. I think the trickiest thing in the beginning is, um, is taking a phased approach with a particular product without having a full strategy because you end up putting something in guaranteed to fail in the first portion of your project because mm. you don't have a design at that point. You know, um, a lot of times we'll propose something and they're going to go... Well, gosh, I, I I can do about half of that. It's like maybe it's wait until we get there because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to end up putting in a solution that works half as it should. I'm not going to solve the problem I want to solve for, and and I don't want to I don't want to not be I don't want to hit a home run. I want to hit a home run every time, you know. So I have an mm-hmm. ethical thing with that as well as a uh, just just protect my own reputation. I want people to have the qualitative outcomes that they're expecting.
1: Yeah. Get it right. The first time, right? Not yeah. But
2: otherwise, otherwise we're going to just add to it. And that's great for sales for now, but what I've done is a disservice to my customer in the interim. Mm-hmm. And they, and some people go, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. No, you really don't until you really hear that. It doesn't work. Like I told you it wouldn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be right. Um, because I, I know what someone's trying to do and I'd rather have them wait. Um, mm-hmm. Most often I'm not in any hurry. We're not going anywhere but I do want your solution to be correct. And anyway, then going back to your original thing, simple uh, starting simple is really talking to a pro. That's the best thing you can mm. do so that you've got um, kind of know what you're somebody. looking at. Yeah. Yeah. If you fail the plan, you plan to fail. So it's, it's really good to have kind of a, a strategic plan in place. Um, and you can swap, like you can finish your whole room. You can do the room in a way with uh, certain design elements and then replace those later. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or add to them later um, as a way of, of improving, you know, the, the visual, but the acoustical has to be taken care of because typically that's what we're solving for.
1: Beautiful. I have no other questions other than do you Mm -hmm. have any drums at home and what are they?
2: Wow. Is it funny you should ask. So um, I have a Yamaha recording kit at home. Um, I have a, a ton of symbols, um, just dig in pursuit of sound kind of thing. Um, but I have a Yamaha recording custom, the, the, uh, the old 9,000 series, I guess are called because that was, uh, did, from way back when, when did you get them? Uh, uh, Oh, don't tell my wife. Cause she got them. For, uh, hang on. <laughs> no, no, that would be but bad. These,
1: these are like original era, like eighties. Uh, these are 90s, 80s,
2: uh, 90s, 90s. Um, uh, I'd say 90, 95, 94, somewhere around there. What color? Uh, cherry red, same as Dave Weckel. Of course. So, the most well, popular.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: of course. Cause that was the guy. And then I got a, uh, Rick, Rick Marietta, um, uh, hip gig kit as well. Mm-hmm from Yamaha um and uh love that thing and that was just because I was getting tired of dragging around the recording customs but mm-hmm. uh, that was just from being a Dave Weckl fan and uh, and all during the day and Joel Rosenblatt and those cats and Spire Jara and all that and so starting out in smooth jazz that was a great way what a great kit too and still sounds great I mean yeah. I can't tune it like a pro but man it's it's easier than say my, some other the kids that I had, I don't mention any brand names, that would be bad, but just some of the kids that I've I've, I've worked with. Um, and it's it's uh, fantastic. And I started, my very first kit was a Rogers, old Rogers that I'm killing myself, that I sold. Mm. Um, uh, oyster pearl, ancient mm, yeah. oyster pearl. And then I wow. had, um, uh, but I still have that power tone snare. I saved my my original snare from 1960. Is wood or metal?
1: It's metal. Yeah, those are great.
2: <laughs> dude, yeah. And it's like yeah, I'm like, ah. Um, <laughs> I went to a garage sale. When you hear how terrible this so is, I went to a garage sale and um guy had a uh, a twenty dollar price tag on a on a snare drum and it had a hole in the head. And just as a joke, I went, Hey dude, this thing has a hole in the head. How can you charge 20 bucks? The guy goes, give me <laughs> Give me (laughs) 15. What? This is 1965 Chrome over Brass. I think it was made in Cleveland, like Ludwig made in Cleveland. I mean, it's like, oh, geez. And that became the drum I played for many, many years thereafter. And I felt guilty and funny. I mean, $20 was a steal. 15 was a joke. It was just like...
1: Hey man, Taylor. I'm sure he was happy to get his 15 bucks. Whatever. You know what though?
2: Let me tell you, I'm sure he was just happy that somebody played it, someone bought mm-hmm. it and actually played the heck out of it. And that's, that would probably be more to him than anything else because the reason it was being sold is because his son never played it or his daughter never played it. So, yeah, right.
1: Otherwise, it's going in the garbage, right?
2: <laughs> well, garage sale. But, um, and they that's right. they had a saxophone there too. And some other stuff I was looking at, but they were in pieces beyond repair. And this one looked like it was beyond repair too, but it wasn't, it was beyond, you know, five bucks later. And it's a, it's the same $650, whatever the thing is, you know, but, um, I just, there's, there's tons of stories like that when people are picking up cool, cool stuff, but that was just, um, funny but i love those old i love my old drums i don't have a collection like uh like i probably could or should um i've really enjoyed um vicariously the passion of other drummers and seeing what they collect how they do their voodoo and mm. i think in an untapped market for a podcast or for a uh, some kind of online fun thing is every drummer has a different coffee process how they make their coffee
1: oh their coffee it's a really boring I just pour it out of the pot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone's got their thing, man. And it's like, sometimes you might, that that's your thing, but I'm telling you, every drummer has a different kind of process and what, what the way they do their voodoo and how they grind the beans and what flavor they're doing. And each one is amazing in its own way. Um, uh, just incredible experience in the coffees I've experienced in working with the different artists.
1: Well, That's well, you've like gotta, you've got to tell me yours then, because mine is literally brew it or make it instant. I don't uh, care, heat it up, put it in a cup.
2: I, dude, mine's simple. I'm Keurig. I'm just Keurig guy um, because I don't have the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's time. I mean, I'm up at five thirty every day. I'm working out four days a week in the gym by seven o'clock. It's uh, I don't have time to do any kind of um, ritual. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys do have it, and it's cool.
1: It's really cool. Yeah, I just I uh, get hip to it. I, I'm I'm impatient. Maybe we're we're similar in that way. I'm impatient. I want to get rolling. I don't want to think about how to do something.
2: You know, and my thing is like I'm like, and it's so tempting because I've I've had like I could buy all the pieces, parts that everybody's got, and they're nice. And it's like, man, just and it it is great coffee. I'm thinking like, you know, sometimes you make a change, and then any anyways, it could be with with drums and things like this, and then you get used to it after a while. You know what I mean? And then you're almost like craving another change, you know, to, mm. to shake things up again. step
1: it up to more random uh, versions of whatever it is. Yeah. Or flavor flavored.
2: Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I've had that too. Um, but man, it's, it's a ritual. And and it's, I think it's the deeper the ritual, the better the coffee. Okay. But it's, it's uh, um, yeah. It's been some, it's been some really trippy stuff. I mean, ranging from the highest end of highest end of espresso makers to just the cool, you know, pour over type methodologies. Um, and then of course the brands of the coffee, but anyway, that's like content reading to happen for somebody to, mm. All do right. like tell like,
1: uh, who gave you the best cup of coffee. So I, <laughs> I can, seek them out.
2: All right. Well, it's going to be uh wow. This is, um, damn, this is really hard. Um, boy, that's really hard to say. Um, cause <laughs> there's different types of coffee. You know what I mean? I'll, i put up the most memorable ones. Um, so, um, uh, Carter's got a good got a good solid coffee he exposed me to his kicking horse or kicking ass or kick ass coffee whatever he's, he's doing which is really great and I still drink that to this day it's great coffee uh, nothing to do with the dude uh, but a great introduction uh, Sammy Marandino with the real deal of Italian uh, espresso makers hmm. and with the grinder and the whole bit it's top of the line and dude it's that's it, it, it's probably the the top here you and know, there. And then the, the, you know, the brand again, I think Kim coming from uh, Carter, Justin Scott, um, um, coffee snob. It's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's a process, dude. And it rocks and there's heating at temperature, just like, like a good brew for a beer, you know, um, uh, that's a good one. Memorable. Um, uh, uh George Slupik, uh, do you know George? Okay you yeah. know george okay um he's got a, a cool ritual that was a surprisingly cool like he's like till you hit this and he's had this special grinder and i was like whoa and it was it's a combination of things it's like you know how you can't take a drummer's sound and say well you know hey the drums are going to play themselves you know what i mean it's, it's a combination of things but memorable cups those are probably uh some of the big ones they're all right there. then all right, so well, Sammy,
1: Sammy was supposed to be on the show months ago, and we have yet to make it happen, so. Oh, got to give I'm him a call, ask him about of coffee.
2: coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? His brother has the same setup. Dude, he's in <laughs> Cleveland, course. so that's a, a competition between the both. I'll tell you also, it was cool, just as, as an honorable mention. Um, I told him I keep this quiet, but because um, I, I, I haven't experienced the other half of this uh, wager, but um, uh, Aaron Vistria. Um, who uh, is a rep for what? Didario Pro D'Aderio, Mark Yeah, and, um, Pro Mark Evans. Yep. And Evans. Uh, so Aaron makes an incredible chai, an incredible mm. chai tea. I mean, like, holy cow. And the upma was amazing too, his wife made, um, which is like an um, Indian oatmeal kind of thing going on. Unbelievable, filling, satisfying kind of thing with dal. It's, it's, um, i would be starting making that. And I'm hoping he'll give up his chai recipe. But he competes with Kaz Rodriguez. Vegas. In the, okay. And there's a big chai competition going on there, so um, I'm just waiting to to meet Kaz finally in person because we're working <laughs> in a studio for a year, and I, you know, I'm not with you in the United States, but it's like man, I just waiting to throw that out. for it's like, you know, taste his chat. Cause I'm sure we'll get together. He's going to make China like It's almost as good as errands. I'm just going to throw that out. He'll probably never see that. I hope he doesn't see this, but anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, what I'm learning is I had an epic fail. I didn't give you a cup of coffee.
2: (laughs) No, dude, dude. Oh, but you know what you did do? And I said, Hey man, I need something local. And I didn't realize this till I left, till I left you. So I met with my, my uh, nephew after hanging out and it turns out that, uh, or yeah, my nephew and what, what you gave me, it's, it's called a, it's a, with the French fries, the salad with the, with the French fries on oh, it and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh salad. <laughs> dude. I, I, we had this thing, but I didn't know that that was like, actually like a thing
1: did yeah, i mean pittsburgh i'm sure salad. your your arteries didn't love it but yeah there's french oh. fries on everything here
2: <laughs> dude. yeah but that's that's called a, there's like a name for that you can order a pittsburgh salad and they do it with different things you know? and it's got the french fries and the cheese and all this kind of stuff and i don't know how um how your 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 neighbors will go at the uh, do they actually eat the lettuce or they leave it there i don't know how that works <laughs> but man it was like I get it. And I was like, I didn't realize that that was actually the local thing. So oh, we did salads. It was cool. And the euro was really good too, but it's like, but
1: yeah, that's anyway. the, um, that's what they fed these steel mill workers, everything, all in the salads, you get everything, all your, everything you need in one, one swoop.
2: <laughs> why not? I mean, why, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the, but, the Chicago Red Hots, you know, they're putting everything on hot dogs over there. You know, it's just,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: it was a combination of how we get things into our bodies, but Man, you can always make healthier choices. <laughs> One of which is well, to stop listening to me.
1: <laughs> I owe you a nice cup of coffee next time then. I do. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's time for a new segment of the drum candy podcast where i'm visiting with chris hawthorne over at hawthorne Drum shop here in pittsburgh and we are going to dig through some of his inventory and some of his personal collection where we kind of explain some of the details that go into this whole crazy world of collecting and buying and selling and vintage and used drums and all of that so uh, this week we we have a cool ludwig standard kit that we check out so we're going to talk about what is the ludwig standard kit all right, so let's <laughs> dig into all things Ludwig standard. How does it compare to the, I don't even know what the the pro line is called. I guess classics. you'd call them, like, classic. Classics. Yeah. So what's the main similarities and differences?
0: So um, these are three-ply shells, the same as the, if you want to call them the classic. So, like, the downbeat configuration, the super classic configuration, they're all three-ply, typically maple, poplar, maple shells with reinforcement rings. Um after this, they came out with the the little big rockers, and for a while those were like a four ply mm. maple and then they came out with like the cheaper ones but um they did these um standard shells or these standard drums to kind of be more of a middle line affordable you know drum kit as opposed to paying like more for a you know a classic maple kit mm-hmm. um differences are. Lugs. So they don't kinda have like the cooler art deco style mm. lugs on them. Right, right. Um, diamond Plates a little bit different, obviously different badges. Um as opposed to the blue olive. Um, and uh yeah. You know when they were introduced? Uh in the late sixties.
1: I wanna say maybe sixty eight. Okay. So is there a different badge on the sixties standards? No. It has the mm-hmm. this looks so seventies.
0: I know. It's it's I've had I've had a few kits that were that were stamped to the 60s. Now those shells might've been, so these were B stock shells. And a lot of people don't know about that is mm. that they're in fact B stock. So the shells might've been sitting around for a couple of years and then they developed the line and they still had the stamp when they were made. So that might be why. Mm. You know, I don't know if those drums actually left
1: the factory in the 60s or no. Oh, nowhere. I see what you're saying. The stamp, the shell, the raw shell was made in the sixties, but you don't necessarily know when it was put together. Yeah,
0: I could also honest. I don't know the catalog offhand, yep. and I could just be making that up.
1: <laughs> 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 so, truth be told, fair when, enough. When I don't know an
0: answer to something, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, maybe we're just sitting around the factory."
1: <laughs> so wait a minute. Okay, fair enough. So you've got the the pro level. Mm-hmm. Which was probably just Ludwig's right, and then they decided we need to come out with something. all these kids want drums, mm-hmm. we need to come out with something that's a little bit more affordable, but then did the rocker replace the standard or
0: I wouldn't say replace it because they're different shelves, and I think that was more late seventies
1: so that was one they were transitioning to yeah,
0: yeah. they had anyway. like a rocker too, and I just I kind of avoid rockers, but they're the black and white badges, and they're actually they're actually pretty good drums, some yeah. of them have the classic lugs on it, but That, I think, kind of became their midline drum after these. These are way better drums, if you ask me.
1: Yeah. Same shells, right? So, okay, let's dig in further. What should you look for when shopping? First of all, would you recommend anyone get a standard if they would want a Ludwig kit? I love them. Yeah?
0: Maybe this is just like my brain tricking me, but I swear every single standard kit I've had has sound better than a classic kit. I don't know if it's because the hardware is kind of like lower profile or what, but they just, they, they sing more, if you will. They resonate, they sound a little fatter, um, which is weird because like I said, they're B stock shells. So they basically repurpose the shells to, you know, make the standard line. Plus, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of like the psychedelic style wraps. Yeah. This is, I love really the Stratas. Um, lemon is my favorite. I have some up there.
1: I'll show you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most common blue? They did a lot of blue, like just a metallic blue. What was it? Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's kind of like a well, it's a, it's a pearl cut kind of type blue, Okay. but it would fade sometimes to green. Um, bronze strata, red strata, you know, excuse me, ruby strata is pretty common. And then there's avocado strata, which is one of the more rare ones. And then lemon strata. They also did astro finishes, I mean, so it's like, uh, man, i to explain it. Very like hippie. Um, you know the satin flame finishes from Gretsch, mm. kind of like that, but like there's a little kind of like S style. Mm. I'll see if I have any wrap I can show you. Is it textured? Like this is like yeah, a smooth textured. Yeah, absolutely. So it would crack and split. They did gold. They did white. They did like a blue. Another one I can't remember, but definitely like the psychedelic
1: because that's what was, you know. I mean, it looks. this yeah. looks way hipper to me. So let's say someone comes in because I imagine the prices on these are now kind of creeping up to where the, the regular Ludwigs are. Would you steer someone towards this versus the regular one? What would be the determining factors?
0: That's a good question. I would probably ask him like how much you care about a finish, mm. you know, because some people don't like the strata finishes like a sparkle, or um, also want to like con- consider money as well. These are a few hundred dollars less mm-hmm. than a classic kit. Um, they used to be way cheaper, but I think that they're becoming more popular now that pe- more people are playing them. Yeah, so this kit in, in particular is a single owner kit. So the gentleman I bought it from, I think he was 84. And he got these new he couldn't remember the, the store name, but he got it in Pittsburgh. I want to get to arts drum shop, which is downtown. Um, 13, 22, 16 and there's a matching snare back there. Um,
1: is, that, we, is that rare to have a matching snare? Sometimes. Um, grab it.
0: <laughs> some you know some people will will kind of get angry if we sell a snare separate, but not everybody wants to have a matching snare. It's not like a mm. thing anymore. Some people prefer it. Some people don't. So we have this up separately. Um, There are no, well, there are serial. I I was going to say that the serial numbers don't mean as much on the standard badges as they do in the blue olive in the uh, Keystone, but pretty well kept. We didn't really have to detail it. It's funny. He had a, uh, which is common. Back in the day, you could add extra hardware. He put a muffler on there, which is was completely un, unfunctional when <laughs> we demoed it. It was rattling, so we took it off. But if you want to buy the kit, we would be happy to include this this Wait, internal
1: muffler is with that you. that an original Ludwig? Part? No. Nope. So he had it added later. Yeah, this
0: is a Slingerland. Um, but it wasn't drilled close enough to the edge, so it kind of just sits there. I was wondering why he had it all taped up. <laughs> I don't rattle, explore. rattle. <laughs> yeah, which is another thing, too. These also have the tone controls, the mufflers. Yeah. Uh, they are they have kind of an acrylate style. You see these a lot on, on these 60s acrylites, oh, late 60s okay. ones. yeah, yep. They kind of changed their knob style a couple of times, but... What's your thought on these? Do you love them or hate them? I do not like them. <laughs> okay. Because, as again, when we're kind of getting ready to demo this, they just rattle a lot. And if you use, like, if you like internal muffling, it's great. It's easy. You Mm -hmm. don't have to put anything on your heads. Um, They function pretty well, but I don't really ever use muffling very often. So to me, it's just something that, just another noise to make.
1: Does that take any value away if you would remove them?
0: Yeah. It's, you know, people... I think it's more of a, sometimes it's a cosmetic thing. Cause they see, you know, there's two holes there. You're going to have a hole for the, the yeah. tone, con- the actual knob like and the you're going to have, a, you know, yeah. um, so it would, I mean, it's just kind of cool. Like when we price this, we'll consider that it's a one owner kit that, um, we didn't have to do a lot to it, you know, other than, I guess you can consider the muffler being a mod, even though it was put on there by the original owner. The fact that it has all the tone controls and most of the tension rods are original. So consider like originality in there, you know, it would add some some value to it.
1: So what are the things to look out for that might not be up to par on this particular series?
0: Um, so if you're going to buy one and like you care about like the condition because it has kind of like a, if say a horizontal pattern to the wrap, sometimes like the oyster finish is like blue oyster and black. There'll be like a, a crack that goes with the actual pattern, oh. and sometimes you can't like if you're going to somebody's garage at night and you can't like see it. Sometimes you'll get home and be like, oh, there's a bunch of cracks in this. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll also crack in the lug because it's it's a thinner wrap, so it's it's not the blue would cracks a lot, like way more than any other finish, which is really weird. Mm. But cracking in the wrap, um, honestly, like there's not a lot that can go wrong with these. The spurs seem to be pretty. Basic. Yeah, it's a club date style. It's the same ones they put on a club date. It's a telescoping spur. I like the gall wing spurs better, which is what they used on the '60s Ludwig's, and then they went to like the curb spurs in the '70s. They're they're fine. They're they're not my favorite, um, but really the biggest thing I'd consider is like for this particular. Series is to just watch like the wrap, make sure it's not cracking off. Take off the heads. Sometimes if somebody over tightens the heads or jams a small head on there, it'll kind of mess up the wrap.
1: You
0: know, kind of hide under the hoops. It
1: doesn't affect the sound really. Right? No, no. It's just cosmetic.
0: Um, we actually had we bought a kit that was blue. It was blue, and we <laughs> didn't really see like pictures very well. And they're all like, I think I got it. I tried to glue a couple of the seams down. And it was just like not. <laughs> so we just ripped ripped the wrap off and we sent out the kit to have it rewrapped in green sparkle oh, cool. and it came so sometimes these will come with classic lugs too i've we, never seen that I, we've had a few that came and I, again maybe they just ran out of the lugs right right at the factory because they take the same hole spacing which is another thing too so if you get one of these kits for a good deal and you don't like the lugs these will take the the classic style lugs You can turn it into a classic kit. There you can. (laughs)
1: What's that other scenario you got over
0: there? Oh, so I brought this. This is another. So they, um, the standard series just wasn't wood shells. Oh, also, this is basically a jazz festival. It's an eight lug, five by 14, three ply. So some people call this a poor man's jazz festival, but it's not nearly as much. (laughs) Yeah. That price tag is nice. Yeah. So, you know, if you want the jazz festival sound, um, get one of these and you, I don't I, I want to guess that the lugs fit but hmm. don't hold me to that because I don't want any angry emails <laughs> so they also made this this is a standard <coughs> aluminum um, it's basically an acrylate one, two, three. Eight lugs it's got the classic no, excuse me the standard kind of style lugs standard badge um, spun seamless shell so the same kind of shell that you would use for an acrylate um Got the kind of the flange on the inside. Yeah. I feel like these are thinner than acrylates. I don't know if... It, if That's
1: I don't know. It's a seamless shell. It's not a rolled shell.
0: Yeah. And they sound awesome. Really dry. Um, Kind of my favorite. If I had to choose between an Acrylate or a Super or the this, I would probably take this. No kidding. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just really... I really like them for some reason. But again, these are about the same price as...
1: Like a '70s acrylate, but mm-hmm. now, do you ever have any issues with the lug casing snapping, or any? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that any like faulty? Are these just cheaper? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why why they use these. The They're probably
0: cheaper to make because there's no. If you look at a classic lug, there's like three or four lines. Right. It's more complex. It probably costs more to make. These are probably cheaper. Mm. Um, same thing with uh, simple mount here. It's kind of just more of like a bulbous, rounded type thing. The diamond plate. I actually like better than the diamond plate on a classic kit. Yeah. No, I think this it's more low profile. And it also, another thing too, is this, this center post is not the same as a classic kit. Much thinner, right? Right. So if you were to buy a, this and try to use like a classic Tom tree, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I wish I had, so they, they made another kit. It's called an S330. I think you've probably seen somebody, Aaron Sterling has one. It's green and it's, it's a, they're concert toms. So they're made to be a nesting kit. It's oh, a 22, yes. like usually a 10, 12, 13, and then a 16. And they're all like, yep. Those are like really popular. Joey
1: Warnker talked about that in, in his episode that's that being like his favorite kit right now.
0: Yeah. And those were standard. It's, very, I wonder why they decided to do that. I know Slingerland did the Avante kit, which was the three up top two, but they're two-sided. I wonder if they like had a bad run of shells and they just like cut mm. off maybe. I don't know. That's a total guess. But, you know, those are also standard batch drums, but they're really good. I, I love, I, I, these drums sound so fat and they're really easy to tune. Um, And some people will buy, like they'll call or whatever and they're like, I don't have a vintage kit yet. I want to get a Ludwig. Um, this is a great kit because they're a little easier to tune. They're not as finicky, and they sound like Ludwig. Yeah. So
1: I can't hear a difference blindfolded. I wouldn't know the difference <laughs> <Wouldn't> blindfolded. <laughs> right.
0: That should be a thing where we just bring people and blindfold them. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you tell what this is? <laughs> I would I tell mean, that every single time. When I played them a few minutes ago, it was like, yes, these are Ludwig. Just fat. I mean, Give it all back to someone's knocking at your door. That might be time to wrap it up. Well, yeah, this is a kit and, uh, I like it Ludwig standard <laughs> <Ludwig's> <laughs> great way to end it <laughs> that is it for this week's episode hope you enjoyed my chat with Mitch of, from AudioMute. again reach out to him directly if you have any questions about how to treat your room I can attest that the difference is absolutely drastic I am able to practice a lot more often and get better results in the space and also if you dig the section the segments we got with Chris Althorne we're going to do some more of these hope you enjoyed that I'll be a little bit more organized with my questioning next time, but it's a lot of fun just to take a look at these different kits and things. So that'll be another ongoing series. And if you do enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Please write a review. That does help get this podcast uh, to rank higher for other drummers to find it. And until next week, go practice. See you then.